We're going to be in John chapter 21. That's a good idea. Let me grab my coffee. Got to whip my whistle from time to time. As we look at this passage, and this will be a pretty familiar passage. You've seen a lot of sermons on this. Um, this is when Jesus is talking to Peter after, after the resurrection. Um, as, as we look at this passage, it's, um, I was really kind of caught up in it as I looked at all that, that God, all that had come before. You know, it's real easy to, to just get this story and start running with it. But if you don't take a moment to, to realize all that had gone on before, you know, this isn't just a story of, of Peter or of, John, of Jesus grilling Peter a little bit to bring him back into the fold. Um, when you think about all that they had seen and done, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000, um, raising Lazarus from the dead, uh, and that's not the only one, that's just the first one that popped in my mind. And all the other things that they had seen, all the miracles that they'd seen performed, the water into wine, and they'd been at this for years. This is not a new, a new thing. And they knew, they knew, the apostles knew that Jesus was going to reestablish his kingdom. This was going to be it. We were going to drive the Romans out. We're going to reestablish David's kingdom. This is it. This guy can perform miracles. He raised the dead for crying out loud. He's the guy. And then he died, very brutally. You know, they snuck up on him. Judas snuck up on him in the, in the middle of the night. They hauled him off, um, beat him pert near to death, and then crucified him. Uh, they were even going to do worse. They were going to uh, stab him and break his legs, but he, he passed on before then. And then they buried him. How do you deal with that? How do you, how do you recover from that? You know, uh, I have had some silly, stupid injuries in my life. When we moved back to Kansas City this last time, and we were at our house on East 28th Street, I tripped, fell down the stairs, and broke my big toe, my right big toe. I am flabbergasted at how much you use your right big toe. And I was working at a bank, and you stand all day, and dad, give me that gets to hurting after a while. And then you walk here and there, and you're walking kind of funny. It took me a while to recover from that. That was just a big toe. How do you recover from something like that? What the apostles saw. You know, is it any wonder that they're not there? That they're not doing probably what they're supposed to be. Um, if you back up chapter 21 uh, a little bit here. Simon gets all the guys together. Uh, verse 2 there. Simon Peter Thomas called twin Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee. Zebedee's sons and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing. Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you they told him. They went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Is it any wonder that they didn't go back to work? Why wouldn't you? 
He's gone. How do you recover? What do you do? As Brian goes through this sermon series, Made for More, God does have a plan in store for each one of us. Sometimes it's really difficult to see. It's hard to understand where God is taking us. It's hard to understand why God is taking us. Why is God taking me? And I've shared different parts of my testimony along the way. You know, crazy. Oh, God, I was such an idiot. As a, as a teenager and then became, I joined the Navy of all the places to find yourself. And um, just let a, I was on the verge of really living that sailor's life. You know, where you got a different girl in every port and all the other fun stuff. Um, and God really pulled me out of all that. But why? Why me? Why you? I know some of y'all's stories. Why? Because God has for each one of us something more. God has a plan for each and every one of us. While he was on the cross, he was going through that list. I'm going to get Matt, and I want to get Debbie, and I get Brian, and Sarah, and I'm going to get this person, this person. Just go right on down the list, right on down the church directory. He has a plan for you, for each one of you. And we're going to dig into some of that a little bit more. Because it doesn't seem like a bright choice. It doesn't seem like the right idea. Let's read here. We're going to read through the, through the whole verse, all four verses of there, 15 through 19, and we'll come back through. So John chapter 21, verse, starting in verse 15. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he said to them said to him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. I assure you, when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify by what kind of death he would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. See, they'd seen Jesus die. They, I'm sure they lost followers. Everybody scattered. When you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. I'm sure that's a very true statement at the time. And they've seen him a couple times in the upper room. You know, Thomas, Thomas isn't there the first time. And, and Peter goes and tells him. And Thomas says, no, unless I see the holes in his hands, put my hand inside, I won't believe. And Thomas comes to the next business meeting. And lo and behold, there he is. Um, and tells him, put your hand right there. So Jesus has showed up before. But they're still not sure. They're still afraid. And so Peter was their fisherman. He takes the guys and we're going to restart the business. We're going to go back to fishing. But Jesus shows up there at the beginning um, and calms their fears. Uh, verse, if you'll back up a little bit there, verse 7. Uh, Therefore the disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him, for he was stripped, and plunged into the sea. And since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards, the other disciples came in with the boat, dragging the net full of fish. So they were out, in the, out fishing, and, and they come back in. 
When they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter got up, hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. So they're out there. They've kind of given up. They've gone back to work. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, did you catch anything? And they say, no. Well, let your nets down the other side. And of course, as soon as they do, they got so much fish, they don't know what to do. And uh, they come back on shore and, and Jesus has breakfast already ready to go. He's calming their fears. Let me serve you one more time. Come on, let's have some fish. Let's have some, some, uh, some bread. So even there, right there, you can see Jesus was a Protestant because they can't do anything without having a potluck dinner right there. If he'd have fried that fish, he'd have been Southern Baptist for sure. But they has a meal. He calm, he's calming their fears down because they're not sure. What do you do? The, the Savior's gone. How do, you, how do you recover? What do you do? And Jesus is calming them down, sits them down. And after they've eaten, that's when we get to verse 15. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? More than these. Now, why just Simon Peter? I mean, everybody ran away. Mark fourteen fifty. Um, uh, everybody scattered when they showed up in the garden. Everybody ran off. Is Peter just the sacrificial lamb in this story? He kind of is. He kind of is in this story. He's going to take one for the team because Jesus, they're all sweating bullets. As soon as Jesus asked that question, they're all, gosh, I forgot to wear deodorant today. You know, they're all just sweating. Is he going to ask me next? Simon Peter, do you love me? And how would you answer? Do you love me? Oh, yeah, Lord, I do. Are you, are you sure, Simon? Because he calls him Simon, right? Not Peter. What's Peter mean? The rock. The rock on which I build my church. Doesn't call him that. Calls him Simon. Peter denied Jesus three times, and on that third time, they made eye contact. It's one thing if you denied somebody, but you you looked them right in the eye when you said it. Jesus told Peter just a few verses ahead of the, of the denial, get behind me, Satan, when they're on their way to Jerusalem that last time. And, and Jesus tells him the Son of Man is going to be sacrificed. And uh, Peter pulls him aside and says, oh, Lord, don't say that. He looks at him, get behind me, Satan. Jesus had appeared two other times, like I mentioned just a few moments ago, in the upper room at, We don't have any record of Peter falling on his knees. Oh, Lord, I am so sorry. He didn't apologize. Peter took the guys fishing instead of prayer or evangelism. You know, Jesus didn't catch him in the upper room with the big scroll of Isaiah rolled out. and Oh, Father, please give us guidance. Caught him out fishing. It shouldn't be surprising that Jesus embarks on this line of questioning. I mean, wouldn't you ask someone who said they loved you, but proved otherwise? 
when you look for some proof in the pudding? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. He answered truthfully, Peter did, answered truthfully to the best of his ability, no excuses. He didn't make any story up. Well, you know, Mark did this, and, and, and James and John said, no, he didn't do any of that. Because Peter knows that Jesus knows his heart. He knows that Jesus knows. And Jesus doesn't respond with, hey, I'm going to put you on a probationary period for 90 days, and we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm watching you. I'm, you know, keeping an eye on you. He gives Peter direction. Feed my lambs. And that's kind of the crux of the whole passage right there. You know, we all come with baggage. You know, I, I gave you just a wee bit of mine uh, from the Navy. But there's a lot more in that baggage. That, that bag may look small, but it's, it's a nine-piece luggage suit from Samsonite. All the craziness that goes on to my, in my life, you know. And then I met Debbie. Um, and I can say that because she's not in here. <clears throat> But God knows all that. He knows all that about you. All the crazy stuff you did as a kid. All the crazy stuff you never told anybody about. All the crazy stuff that would make the recovery group break down and sit on and get down on their knees and pray for you right at that moment. He knows. He knows all you've ever done. He knows all that stuff about Peter. Nothing I read about Peter, Jesus wasn't in on. And Jesus doesn't say, nah. Who's next? Peter, feed my lambs. He has a plan for you. You are made for more. You are designed for more. God has a plan for you. Verse 16. Again, we get the, the almost a repeat. A second time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told them. So, I'm sure some of the other apostles did take a deep breath. Boy, he's back to Peter again. Wasn't you afraid he's going to ask you? Oh, yeah, I ran off too. I didn't. As soon as the guard showed up, I I soiled my britches. I couldn't handle it. You know, something. It wasn't going to go well. They knew. Jesus told them. So now everybody does kind of get that excuse, you know. I'm sure the apostles thought we're all done. Peter took the bullet for everybody. Deep breath. Nope going to ask him again. One of Peter's best lessons here is for everybody else. To serve them in this way by taking this line of questioning. As I was looking at this passage and I thought of Peter and and him sweating bullets. You know, do you love me? Uh, well, yeah, I, I love you. I walked on the water with you. I did this, I did that. Well, you also denied me three times, and I had to tell you, get behind me, Satan, all this other stuff. He's not alone. It's not that he's the, the, the weirdo of the apostles. I was reading in, in Mark chapter 10, verses 35 and 41. That's when James and John, the sons of thunder, and if there was ever a good wrestling name from the, from the Bible, that would be it. The sons of thunder. They come up and say, Jesus, we want to sit at your right and left hand. We're so awesome. We're so fantastic. (laughs) What happened to them? I'm sure them sons of thunder were, you know, the only thunder was going on down here. 
during this line of questioning. I can feel them quaking in their, in their shoes, in their sandals. They said they could do all that Jesus could, but they didn't want to die. They didn't want to get beat up. Especially not, they want to die on a cross. If you've never seen The Passion, it's kind of an honorary depiction of the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. And uh, they do, I forgot the actor's name, it's escaping me right now. And they do whip him with a cat of nine tails. He's got a big metal plate over his back. And uh, he tells, I saw an interview with him and he talked about one time when they were whipping him and, and they had, the guard had to stand. They had marks on the ground where he was supposed to stand and he was supposed to move a certain way so that the, the, the whip, because it was real, would hit the metal plate on his back. And he said there was one time that dude really got a good swing in and that last cat of nine tails came around that metal plate and stuck him in the side. And he said he, he's about to cry and wet his britches from just the one strike. They watched Jesus take 39 of those with no metal plate. They just beat the snot out of him. When we read in the story that they forced another guy to carry Jesus' cross, they had to. I don't know how he made it that far. If they'd taken the hide off of your back and you were bleeding for, I don't know, 18 hours or so, you wouldn't have the strength to do that. James and John, the sons of thunder, were so grateful that he was asking Jesus those questions, or asking, that Jesus was asking Peter those questions and not them. And again, he asked him, Simon, not Simon Peter, not the rock, Simon, the human child, Simon, because ain't we all human? I mean, we all put on a big, big show. We've all got some, some good Im- impressions of ourselves. We all think very well of ourselves. We all know that we're gonna, we've got it all together. <laughs> we're all those sons of thunder in our own mind. But we're not. I've been through enough banking changes and buyouts, um, I was with Gold Bank, and, and they swore up and down we were a good, solid bank until we got bought out by M&I Bank. And uh, the service center down in Overland Park had about 200 people working there. And they came in, had a big meeting, and gave, I think, like 175 of them pink slips. And all those people who knew what they were doing, secure in their positions, mm, you ain't secure now. And I've seen that in different banks over and over again. We all know what we're doing. And sometimes we need to be asked again, do you love me? Would you have an excuse? I mean, Peter could have just as easily have thrown, you know, James and John or, or, or Andrew. Andrew was always bringing people to Jesus. He didn't bring people to the crucifixion. It'd been real easy to throw somebody else under the bus, but Jesus doesn't. I mean, Peter doesn't. Jesus tells him, you shepherd my sheep. As I am shepherding you, Peter, shepherd my sheep. We all have excuses. 
why we do the things we do, how we did the things we do. If you don't believe, if you don't believe that you do, ask anybody who knew you as a teenager when you had all kinds of excuses. And excuses are just like armpits. We all got them and they all stink. We all need to remember that Jesus in this story is talking to Peter. But Jesus is talking to all of us. Do you love me? Will you shepherd my sheep? Will you feed my lambs? He could just as easily have said, well, at least I followed you to the high priest's house. Yeah, where you denied me and cussed at me. He doesn't do any of that. He says, you know I love you. And Jesus responds, shepherd my sheep. Not an excuse, just shepherd my sheep. Be there. Then we get to verse 17. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Because it's all about Peter, right? I mean, if this fails, we're just going to close up shop. Well, not quite, but. Do you love me? Ask him a third time. Jesus is pushing Peter's buttons. Peter isn't just another apostle. He's the guy everybody's relying on, right? Well, not, not, not quite. I mean, Peter and Paul didn't meet up for the longest time, and Paul did quite a bit without Peter. Uh, Peter didn't help John write Revelation. He's probably gone by then. Thomas makes it to India, so sometime around Damascus, they part ways and don't see each other again. Jesus is working over Peter because Peter is meant to do more in Peter's life. Not in Thomas's life or John's life or Thomas's life or, or Zacchaeus or whoever else you want to throw in there. Peter is meant to do more in Peter's life. Just like we are meant to do more in our lives. God has an awesome story for you. He has things to do for you. And people always ask, well, I don't know about that, man. Are you sure? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just think about youth evangelism. All right? Now, I've spent some time doing youth ministry, and we always talked about evangelism. And, and anytime you take on a role, pastor, minister, you're the guy everybody brings people to. And I said, no, you can share the gospel with somebody. You need to. Well, why? Well, I'll pick on Joe. Say, Joe and I, we're going to study evangelism. We're going to read the Jesus I never knew, and we're going to read sharing Jesus without fear and continuous witness training and uh, the gospel. No, the gospel. There's a, there's a bunch of them out there. We study them all. Memorize scripture inside and out. And we go to Hooters. No one's going to believe that we're there to share the gospel. Just not going to happen. And then Marie and Debbie will track us down and beat us to death. So what we do have a spot for, though, is you. Maybe a couple of ladies need to go and do stuff like that. You know, and we joke around about some of those things, but, I mean, we have laws against 47-year-old guys going to 15, 16, 18, 20-year-old girls and talking. I mean, there's rules we have about in society about stuff like that, and I'm glad they're there. 
God has a, a role for you. Each one of you know people I don't know. Each one of you have a specific story to share, whether it be through work or your friends or your family, whether it be your age or your gender, whoever, however God has put you together, there is a specific story that you have to share that I cannot share, that Brian can't share, that nobody can. God has a plan for you. He has more for you. You are made for more. Because you, can, you might be the only one who can talk to somebody. When Debbie and I went through the fertility stuff, oh my gosh, that is a, it's rough. And people mean well. They really do. They came up and told us after the second uh, miscarriage that, uh, you know, God just needed another angel in heaven. So God killed our baby? What are you saying? Get out of here. I don't hear junk like that. Now, I knew in their heart they meant well, but they said just some mean, crazy stuff. Or you just need to have faith a little bit more. Everybody goes on that, and they do some good, all right, but everybody goes on that Kenneth Copeland rant. If you just have faith, you can fix anything. Sometimes God makes us walk through that valley of the shadow of death, whatever your valley might look like whether it be the shadow of death or the shadow of infertility or the shadow of whatever, bankruptcy, whatever you want to throw in there, God might have you going through that so that you can share that story. Peter is going through this not because Peter did something especially wrong. They're all guilty. You didn't see the sons of thunder raising a rebellion and going on a rescue mission. Nope, they went and hid out just like everybody else. Jesus is pushing Peter's buttons because Jesus has a plan in store for Peter's life, just like he has a plan in store for your life. You are made for more. Jesus, you know I love you. Is there anything really that Peter can do to earn back Jesus' trust, his good graces? No, there's not. Sin separates us from God. It is only by Jesus coming down, giving his life, shedding his blood, that that path is made back open. There's nothing he can do. So what do you do in response? Just throw up your hand, oh, I can't do nothing. No. You find what God's got in store for you. Jesus tells Peter what Jesus wants, feed my sheep. Peter tells, or Jesus tells Peter earlier, uh, Luke twenty two thirty two. but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And he's talking to him about when, uh, uh, you know, Satan is asked to, to sift you like wheat. And he, Jesus respond, or tells him, uh, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He's even telling him back then, feed my sheep, strengthen the brethren. Because we all go through rough times. Even if it's not where you've lost somebody like this. And I hope you never do, not like Jesus. We've all gone through those losses. How do you recover? What do you do? Feed my sheep. Serve God. Find some purpose. And Jesus is it. We'll find things here to do and reach and minister to people that the world is just flabbergasted by. Because you cannot find forgiveness on the shelf at Walmart. Redemption is not sold at Hy-Vee. It is only through the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And that's right here. That's how we feed one another. To share that story over and over again. Well, you don't know what I've been through. No, I don't. But you know, here's what I've been through. And 
And this is the something more that Brian talked about that we are made for, feeding his sheep. Maybe, you know, we may not touch exactly what God's got in store for you, what your role might be. But, you know, I think next week we're going to have a ministry fair and you might find a spot if you're looking. But that's back to that first question. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then go to the ministry fair, find a way to plug in. Do you love me? Well, sort of. Do you? Verse 18, I assure you when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But you, when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify by what kind of death he would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. And that first part of verse 18, you know, how do we respond? Do you love me? What are we supposed to do? This is a normal picture here. When you were young, you put on your pants, tied your belt, and went to work. Jesus knows how Peter lived as a fisherman. He dressed how he, how he, how he lived. I mean, when they went out in the, on the sun, they, they just had like a little loincloth that they were out working in the, in the heat. He, know how he, he knows how he smelt, how he, how he looked. He knows how Jesus, or no, he, Jesus knows how Peter lived. Jesus knows how Peter's going to die. I know how you lived as a young man. I know how you're going to grow old. I know what's going to happen when you get old. So if Jesus knows everything, is there any hope? In Peter's mind, there may not be. Because he knows, Peter knows what he did and didn't do. He knows which guard at the chief priest's house he cussed out. He knows, you know, which guard he cut the ear off of. If you remember that part of the story when they show up in the garden of Gethsemane and he whoops out his sword, whack. And Jesus heals that guy. The human game that we know of, getting dressed every day, going to work, we all know we're going to get, you know, 65, 100 years out of this life, however long you might live. The human game is over, but God's game always has more time in it. It may feel like the game clock is running out for you, whether it be the game clock or you've got too many fouls in your life and you're going to get put on the bench or you're just going to get ejected from the game altogether. I don't know. God still has a plan for you. But Lord, you, you don't know what I've done. Matt, you don't know what I've done. doesn't matter. God has a plan for you. Jesus knows from the beginning to the end what's going to happen to him. And Peter's, what do you mean I'm going to die? He shares that with him to signify by what kind of death he's going to die. No, but what kind of death he's going to glorify God. <clears throat> All the way to the end, Peter's going to be, going to be sharing the, the, the faith and, and being that, that rock. And hopefully not having to wet his whistle every few minutes. <clears throat> Jesus said this to signify by what kind of death he would glorify God. For Peter, we're talking about his upcoming crucifixion. And according to church tradition, they crucified him upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. You hang me upside down. Pretty mouthy for a guy going to the gallows. For us today, we get to a point where there's just not enough time in the day. We don't know how to figure these things out. We don't know how to take care of the kids and much less do all this stuff that, that, that Peter's going to do. How, how am I supposed to keep up with that? Well, you're not. 
You know, they didn't crucify Mr. Rogers. Peter would not sharing about would not stop sharing about Jesus Christ. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you mean the few sheep he left down in Bethlehem? No, take care of the people. Feed my sheep. Love on them. Share with them. But we do. We just get caught up in this life. I shared in Sunday school about a fellow one time. He shared with me a pie chart of time in a day. And you sleep so many hours. And that comes out of the pie chart. And then you got to commute to work. And that takes so much time. And then you got to eat. And that takes so much time. And work itself takes so much time. And if you got to stop and get groceries, that's so much time. And at some point in time, we crossed the 24-hour mark and he kept on going. Because we just run out of time in the day. Nathan, God bless him. That boy can make some dirty clothes. I don't know where they all come from. Just... There's always laundry to do. There's always a diaper bag to be changed out while holding your nose. There's always something to do. We just run out of time. We run out of life. What's Jesus say? Feed my sheep. I don't know how. Feed my sheep. Come to the ministry fair. See what God might have for you to do. Are you sure? Yeah. All the way at the very end of the story, verse 19, there at the end, after saying this, after telling Peter he's going to die, and Peter might be be sweating bullets, and and after the the conversation he's had, the the three times asking, do you love me, sweating bullets the whole time, does he say, well, just tough luck? No, follow me. There is hope, there's a function, there's a purpose, there's a meaning in your life. However you want to put that together, there it is for you. Just like he's asking Peter, he asks each one of us, will you feed my sheep? Well, no. If I can get around to it, if I can fit it in my pie chart, if I can do this, no. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Well, yeah, you know, I, I do. You know, I, I gave my life to Christ, and you know, well, I understand that. Do you love me? Are you going to keep at it? If you were listening to the, around a, oh, a month or so before Valentine's Day on one of the, Christian radio stations, they were talking about a, a Valentine's Day uh, marriage conference, and, and uh, they were saying everybody needs to, to come, and, and if you can't afford to come, put your name in the hat, we'll draw names, and they had a little goofy commercial where a guy was saying, well, I told her I loved her the day we got married, if anything changes, I'll let her know, and they were like, sign that guy up. We get in bad habits of that, don't we? Take each other for granted. Jesus is calling out because we've taken him for granted. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. There's so many people out there that are hurting and angry and mad and have allergies and dealing with things, dealing with a loss of a job, a loss of a loved one, craziness in their family. There's a prayer request from the recovery group I'd like to share. And a fella fell off the wagon after 20 years. But he didn't just fall off the wagon. He fell off the wagon, rolled off the road, and passed the ditch. 
He needs somebody to love on him. If I can ever track him down. We all need somebody to come after us. Because we've all done crazy, stupid, crazy, weird things. No, denied Christ. We've all, uh-uh. Are you stronger than the Apostle Peter? Were you stronger than the Sons of Thunder? No. And I'm just as bad. I ain't pointing the finger at nobody and not pointing it at me. If everybody who tells me that they shared the gospel actually shared the gospel, at some point in time, somebody wouldn't got, would have gotten saved by accident and we'd have to fill up the baptistry every other week. When it comes down to it, that's the, where the rubber really meets the road. You know, I think about the five purposes of the church, and I'm not such a big purpose-driven church guy that, that I live and die by what Rick Warren says, but he does a good job of pointing some things out. Um, the, the purposes of the church, worship, discipleship, fellowship, evangelism, and ministry. We're going to fellowship. When we get to heaven, we're going to fellowship with Jesus Christ, eyeball to eyeball. We'll minister to each other. We will have Sunday school class, and Jesus will be there. Paul will be there and explain exactly what he meant. Um, we'll, we'll worship. We'll do everything but evangelize, because that's how you got there. And if you missed that step, you didn't make it. That's how we got to heaven, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is telling Peter here. Feed my sheep. They're all my sheep. Go out and feed them. As we look at this passage and as we get ready to wrap up, do you love me? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know I do. Mm, Are you sure? What happens when the rubber meets the road? What happens when the persecution hits? What happens with this? What happens with that? What's going to happen? What are you going to do? You know, I, I, I do enjoy reading this passage and thinking about how everybody was calm. They got a full belly, just had breakfast. You know, it, it's not the hot of the day. This is great. And then Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, do you love me? Does it to him three times, just grinding that in. What's your response going to be? Well, like that commercial, well, I told him I loved him when I got saved. If it changes, I'll let him know. Or is it going to be every day we're going to commit to that, to walk with Jesus, to be there, to be made for something more? Brian's not wrong. And I, and I uh, he really ground my teeth up last year when he talked about praying mountain-moving prayers. Like, mm, I mean to. I'm going to. That ought to be my mountain-moving prayer. This mountain needs to, to quit sitting and start moving. I need to start feeding the sheep in my life. What are you doing? As the musicians come, if you aren't sure what to do, how to start, the first start in any of this to learn how to feed the sheep is oh, Romans 3.23. 
For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes, boo-boos, whoops-a-daisies. Whatever you want to call it, we've all done it. So it's just the end of the world, right? No. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. So, okay, there's a solution out there. How do I get to that? Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, if you've never made him in charge, make today the day. You come forward and I'll be here. And if someone's talking to me, don't worry about it. You come on up. Uh, someone will come on up and pray with you, talk to you, whatever concern you've got. If you don't know what to do now that you've become a Christian, well, I became a Christian years ago or the other day, whatever it is, and I've never moved forward in that. Well, again, you come forward. We'll talk about church membership. Brian has a membership class every so often. We'll get you involved in that. If it's about baptism, we'll talk about that. If you've been a member forever, if you've been a Christian forever, and I just don't know what to do. Feed my sheep? I don't. Do I need to stop on the way home at a feed store? No, you come forward. And we'll talk about things that are coming up. We'll talk about the ministry fair and how to get plugged in. Whatever you might need, you come forward and you pray. Pour it out to God. If you don't want to come forward, pray where you're at. But talk to God. Get it right today.